I tell you, class, that Bishop Blake, he is such an amazing teacher. Wow. You know, as I was listening to that sermon, to Bishop's sermon in preparation for today, I was reminded of Matthew chapter 5 and all the way through chapter 7 where Jesus delivers his famous Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest teachers ever, giving one of the greatest sermons ever. And you, you guys know the Sermon on the Mount, right? You know what I'm talking about. The, you know, the one where he introduces this notion of the kingdom of heaven and what exactly a citizen of the kingdom is and what it looks like and how the citizen of the kingdom should operate and even the hardships that one must endure. You remember that one, right? You know, the sermon where Jesus talked about how blessed are those who are poor in spirit and those who mourn and those who are meek and who hungered and thirsted after righteousness or that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The one where he challenged his listeners, his students, to love their enemies, to pray for those who persecuted them. And then our all-time favorite, turning the other cheek. We love that one. If somebody slaps you on your left cheek, give to them also your what? Your, you ought to say it like you didn't love it. But then at the conclusion of his sermon, he says something very arresting. In chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus says this. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came, the winds blew, the waters rose, but the house did not fall because it was built on a strong, solid foundation. Likewise, anybody who hears these words of mine and does not obey is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The winds blew, the rain came, the water rose, and the house fell, and great was its crash. And I thought about that, and if I was a teacher, if I were a teacher, I think my lesson would go a little something like this. This house that was built was standing on this solid foundation. And we see that the solid foundation is what? Very good, class. The words of Jesus. Now, the house that was not built on a solid foundation was the words of who? Who do you follow? But if you notice, there are two things that happen. They're both very similar. The rains came, the winds blew, and the waters rose. But Jesus says, anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is a wise man. Now look at this, this whole process that Jesus is explaining. First, you have to hear his words. Once you take it in and you hear it, I mean, I guess that means you can't be at church really with your iPod and iPhone and your AirPods in your ear and playing Candy Crush and Madden football and NBA 2K, you know, just playing, amen, Bishop, hallelujah. Ooh, watch out. Can't do that. You have to actually hear the word of God. Amen? And once you hear it, what you hear, you begin to understand. Or as David said, I meditate 
on your word day and night. You know that, 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 that idea of meditating that David wrote down? It was like uh, a cow. As a cow chews on the cud and it just goes through the chambers within the stomach and it comes back up and he chews on it a little more and it goes back down and then he comes up and he processes it and chews on it a little more. When you hear the word of God, you have to chew on it. You got to meditate on it. You can't just read it and say amen and put it away. It needs to stay there. Because if he says for you to turn the other cheek, that's a hard saying. And that's something that really takes deep thought and meditation. Does he mean physically? Does he mean, is it subliminal? How does he mean that? It requires a great level of understanding. And when you understand it, then you begin to put it into practice. Because it's one thing to be a hearer of the words, but it's another thing to be a what? Wow, you guys are a great class. Extra credit. Put it into practice. Because then when you begin to put it into practice, the things that you practice, any athletes in here, former athletes, all-stars, time champions, <laughs> dream team members. I don't know, maybe if Brother Magic Johnson was here. He could tell you a little bit about practice and everything he did in practice he executed it where? When it was showtime. But see, when I played basketball, we like to dilly-dally in practice. And our coach said, listen, the way that you practice is the way you're going to play. The way you come out in warm-ups is how you're going to play in the game. So when we would come out and play around and play games, when it was time to show up, we got murdered. <laughs> so what you hear, you have to understand. What you understand, you put it into practice. What you put into practice becomes your action. And when you do that, Jesus says, you are wise. That's wisdom. And because you have wisdom, you're built on this solid foundation because the foundation you're built on, again, are the words of Jesus. So that when trials come, when temptation arises, when the storm comes at you from every side, you may be knocked down, but you're not defeated. You may be bruised, but you're not broken. You're able to get up and stand. The Bible says, when the enemy came in like a flood, the Lord lifted up a what? Standard against him. What is the standard? We have been given a great standard over 50 years of biblical sound teaching from this man of God. And so my brothers and sisters class, it is not time to pull away. It is time to draw near. Bishop said it best, let us draw near to God. Because the benefit of drawing near to God is that when everything around you is going down, you still stand. Otherwise, you're like that house. And it's a big house. The bigger the house, the bigger the fall. Be careful what you're standing on. Stand on something that you know is sure. Stand on the word that you know is effective. Stand on the word that cannot be broken. 50 years is a long time in ministry, and the ministry has not changed. Draw near to God. Amen.
Good morning, class. We're going to continue our lesson on the standard of sound teaching. And I suggest you take out your writing utensils and take notes because, as you recall, last week's quiz didn't go very well. You did kind of poorly on that, okay? Quiet. <laughs> this is the second letter Paul wrote to Timothy. He wrote it while he was in jail facing death. Now, if someone writes you a letter right before they're going to die, you can safely assume that whatever is in the letter is of the utmost importance. The letter will likely contain things they will never again be able to tell you. But before we look at what Paul thought important to write to Timothy, we have to understand the nature of their relationship. Paul referred to Timothy as his dear son. Now, Timothy had a father, but his father was not a follower of Christ. So Paul ended up having an established relationship with Timothy. Now, let's see what this father had to say to his dear son. In the first chapter of 2 Timothy, Paul had quite a few instructions. First, he says, use the gift God gave you. Allow it to grow like a small flame into a larger one. In other words, don't sit on the gift God has given you. Use it. Put it to work. Now, can you imagine the work we could do for the kingdom if everyone stirred up their gifts and allowed them to grow from a small flame to a large one? This class alone could set the city on fire for God. Next, Paul writes, don't be ashamed of the gospel. This was an important lesson back then because standing up for your faith in the early church era had dire consequences. Christians were beaten, crucified, jailed, ostracized from the community, all because they chose to follow Jesus. Now, I won't make the comparison to what we go through today, what we have to endure if we follow Jesus. Yes, I will. Today, we might lose followers on Instagram. We might not get to sit at the cool table. We might get called names like church girl and holier than thou. They might even make a meme about us that goes viral, but they aren't breaking down our doors, dragging us into the middle of the street to be stoned for serving Jesus. And it's probably a good thing that they don't because some of us wouldn't serve him under those circumstances. We have a hard time uh, uh, tolerating his followers. We certainly can't tolerate his enemies. Then Paul says, suffer, Timothy, suffer with me. He let Timothy know that suffering is inevitable and that when he has to suffer, though, he's not alone. Remember, Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Good class. Peter said, after you have suffered a little while, God will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And later on, Paul tells Timothy again in the same uh, chapter. He says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
These are the kinds of lessons a father teaches his son. Expect persecution. Expect trouble. Expect suffering. But don't worry because Jesus overcame the world. Don't worry. God will restore and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Now, I wonder how many of us are teaching this to our children, to expect trouble, to expect heartache and persecution. Okay, now comes our theme for today. Paul tells Timothy, follow the pattern of sound teachings you heard from me. Follow the pattern of sound teachings. So we're going to break this scripture down. Is that okay? I hope you're taking notes, class. The first word is follow. Say follow. If you have to be told to follow something, it can be assumed that there is more than one way to go. Paul said, follow this, not that. God always gives us a choice. He said in Deuteronomy 30 and 19, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your seed might live. He goes on to say, choose ye this day whom you will serve. Another scripture says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We always have a choice. We are active participants in our faith. And Paul lets Timothy know, hey, follow me. Go this way. And he didn't just say follow, but he said follow the pattern. Say follow the pattern. In order for there to be a pattern, someone has to create the pattern. Someone has to do it first the same way with a certain frequency. Otherwise, it's not a pattern. You can't do something once and expect it to be a pattern, not if you expect someone to follow it. A pattern of teaching is not just what is taught, but it's how it is taught. It's the repetition. It's the cadence. Anyone remember taking home ec in school? Back when they had home ec in school? So among other things, they taught sewing. You remember that? Well, my mother took home ec, and she must have been a home ec queen because she continued to sew well into my childhood. And I can remember my sister and I spending hours at Michael Levine's downtown LA while my mom picked out a pattern and then searched and searched and searched for the perfect fabric to go with that pattern. Now, she didn't have to wonder about how much fabric to buy because the pattern told her. She knew what type of fabric to buy because the pattern told her. When she laid the fabric out on the table, she knew which pieces to cut and how to cut them because why? The pattern told her. She knew which pieces to sew together because the pattern told her. She didn't have to start from scratch or do much guessing because why? The pattern told her it was all laid out. All she had to do was follow the pattern. Amen? Now let's look at the pattern of sound teaching. Say pattern of sound teaching. Our kids today are faced with patterns of unsound teaching every day. They witness unsound teachings like getting rewards for misbehaving, patterns of only coming to church one Sunday a month, patterns of whining to get to play on their tablets 
If I whine, I know she'll give it to me. Let me cry a little harder. I know she's going to give it to me. It's a pattern that they taught. Patterns of video games and TV before chores and homework. All these patterns of unsound teaching. Yes, our kids are faced with unsound teaching patterns, but it is our responsibility to teach them properly. We have to establish the pattern and then have them follow it. We have to provide our kids with a pattern of sound teaching. If your kids attend West Day Kids Church or West Angeles Sunday School, believe me, they are getting sound teaching. We teach them scripture. We teach them Bible lessons. We teach them about God's love and his purpose for their lives. They receive sound teaching, but we need to partner with parents and families because they pick up their patterns from you. So think of it this way. Sound teaching is the knowledge, but the pattern tells you how to apply the knowledge. So what good is the knowledge if you don't know how to apply it? What good is it to memorize 66 books of the Bible and to read the Bible in a year if you don't know how to live it out? That's like having flour, eggs, butter, and sugar, but no pound cake recipe. You ain't doing nobody any good. You're not satisfying any sweet tooth. You can have all the ingredients you need, but without the wisdom on how to use them, they are a waste. Amen? Amen, class. So this means your teaching and your lifestyle has to match. It's not enough to believe. You must live what you believe, and you have to do it in front of your kids. Have you heard of the idea of theory versus practice? Theory is what you believe. Practice is what you do with your beliefs. I propose this. You don't have to tell me what you believe. I can see it in the way you live. I can see it in how you love. I can see it in how you conduct yourself. Don't tell me you're a disciple of Christ. Show me in the way you treat others. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this shall all men know you are my disciples, by the love you have for one another. Not by your testimony, not by your knowledge of Scripture, not by how often you come to church, but by your love for one another. So, love is a witness all by itself. 1 John 3.10 says, so now we can tell who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Uh-huh. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love his brother does not belong to God. I wish I could tell you that we are still in the do as I say, not as I do era, but we are not. I wish I could tell you your kids learn from your theory and your beliefs and not your practice, but guess what? They do not. Finally, Paul makes a distinction to Timothy. He says, Follow the pattern of sound teaching you heard from me. Say, you heard from me. Timothy was only to follow what he heard himself from Paul. Don't follow what other people told you I said. Follow what you heard from me. Amen? So it's important that we all realize everyone needs a Paul. And everyone needs 
a Timothy. Everyone needs somebody to lay out the pattern of sound teaching for them, and everyone needs somebody to lay out the pattern of sound teaching for. It's important that we understand these two basic facts. We all need a Paul, and we all need a Timothy. These are my Timothys. My Timothys are pliable. They are sponges. They soak up everything I put out, so it's important that I only put out the right things. Amen? Amen. These are my Pauls. My Pauls are wise and gifted. They are direct and they are strong. They are poised and they operate with restraint. I want to show you an example of a strong pattern of sound teaching. Now just remember that kind words are like honey, enjoyable and healthy. Now, I stepped on an elevator a few days ago. There was one man standing there. And I stepped on, I said, good morning, sir. And he looked at me very mean and he said, it's not morning, it's afternoon. I said, whoa. Because I know that whether it is morning, noon, or night, whatever it is, it is a blessing to be alive. And as Sister White did, said we all have a praise break. I could have had a praise break in that elevator with that one grumpy man. And I could have shouted right there in that elevator. indeed a sound pattern, a great pattern, a strong pattern of sound teaching. Amen.
worship you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. All right, class, our next instruction is on the relationship between education and enrichment and the sound doctrine I and we receive here at West Angeles. First of all, very blessed to be able to even say that in a church, so we thank God for that. Thanks to the teaching and leadership of our bishop and the support of members today, West Angeles Education and Enrichment Program serves Family serves 700 to 800 families across Southern California in six major sub-programs. <laughs> Parent and family and educational support advocacy, et cetera, college selection, admission, and financial aid support programs, after-school enrichment, which we call homework club, career development, SAT and other test prep, and our summer enrichment programs, which this summer served 150 youth. My preparation to start and manage this most unusual church-based program began, great, began with great early training in doctrine and scriptures from elders Hammonds, Graves, and Owens. Each man at various times poured into me the training and doctrine that to, that to this very day governs how I prepare students for the values that are being taught at non-Christian colleges and in our society so much. We must prepare our youth with sound doctrine and in the proper ways to defend, where, defend their faith when they're challenged. Well, that's where we are now, but it's all thanks to Bishop and his vision. There's so many earlier conversations I had with him I could share, but I thought I'd start right at the beginning. Here's where it all started. In the north campus of West Angeles, upstairs, in the boardroom. It was here in July of 1990 that Bishop shared his vision with a few of us deacons for an educational and a leadership legacy. And it really touched my heart at that time, even though I was a young man. Even then, he was thinking about the future. Isn't that something? And it was, as we learned later, he's thinking about the future outside of that room, as we learned recently. Isn't that amazing? He's always thinking about the future. He asked us to think about what would be after we left. Are we preparing our replacements, he asked. That was kind of alarming. You know, I, I was a young man, but it was even then still quite alarming to hear that. But I thought, you know, he's got a pretty good point. He's effectively, this is an effect, but he was asking us, did we think about our replacements? This started me down the road with rites of passage later led to the education enrichment program we have today. Throughout this time, Bishop's messages in which he often mentioned personal development and enrichment as a part of becoming who God wants us to be. Whew, what a thing to hear in church. Our black community has a long tradition of black educators who saw the importance of learning and education, such as Booker T. Washington. Mer mm -hmm. Mary McLeod Bethune. <laughs> studied their lives. They're amazing people. Carter G. Woodson, amazing historian. Before, during, and after the great migration of blacks to northern and western cities, schooling began in the church. We see this pattern even in the New Testament. 
in a, in a story about when Jesus was lost and he was found back in the temple. Now, a lot of people have said when they quote this that he's teaching the rabbis, but it's really not true. In, in 2, 46 to 47, we see that Jesus is found really learning in the temple, in the midst of the teachers. And it says in the midst of the teachers, he, stood, he sat listening to them and asking them questions, almost an outline for how to be in a classroom and how to learn. And we use it to this day with our students in the midst of the teachers, not drawing back from the teachers, listening, asking questions, engaging the instructor. All who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. He was listening and passing the test. Ooh, glory. So when they saw him, they were amazed, the next verse actually says. It took me, until, however, it took me until, so the education part, I really understood. And I kind of knew about the enrichment part. Yeah, I, I kind of understood it, because Bishop had actually named us. And I, I, I saw the enrichment part as a sidecar until May 17th, the June 2017. What a time in my life. I was preparing to speak for Bloom, the very first Bloom conference. And I knew what I was going to talk about, education and degrees and college. And I visited the Frederick Douglass house. What a visit in Washington, D.C. to that house. It was such a great experience, especially to see he was a self-taught man, a, his self-learning, how even up until his death, he was teaching himself things, the most amazing things. He taught himself to read even years and years before. He never even had a formal education, but he was one of the greatest orators in American history, leader and a thinker and an advisor to President Lincoln, visited the White House, we now know, 44 times and guided the president through the toughest time in our history. When Bishop named our program Education and Enrichment Program, I understood the educational part. Indeed, we have many programs that help youth with education. We have, we have uh, SAT prep. We have classes after school where they can come in and get good grades in middle school and high school and then learn how to go to an affordable college. Is that all right? Enrichment means making people's lives better through training and teaching, particularly our youth. Under Bishop's leadership, we, are, we formed educational agreements with various partners in the city. I thank God for our agreement with Charles Drew University, who admitted our first three students directly into their program on a priority basis, and they're doing very, very well. We're so excited for that partnership. Then a recent partnership, with LA Trade Tech College, where they'll come to our facility and offer classes for college credit, which is, I don't know if you know how huge that is. That's right. That is huge. They picked us out to do that, and I jumped right away. I thought I was hearing things, actually, both of which will assist with affordable educations in, in the careers they want before, while, and after students go to four-year college. It will also keep students from having to take all those 
ridiculously hard AP classes. They just go for college credit, and that's on their record to go to a great college. Isn't that a wonderful alternative? At Charles Drew now, students will be able to very affordably learn about radiology, nutrition, respiratory therapy careers from a great accredited school right here in Los Angeles. Trade Tech will offer classes this summer for college credit. One was offered last summer, et cetera. In fact, this evening, if you come early for service at 4.30, we'll have those partners here. Bring, bring a student along. Let's have young adults and people who are adults thinking about careers. Come back tonight. We're going to have Charles Drew here, and we're going to have Trade Tech, and we're going to have one other special partner here to get you started with your career. Finally, Bishop is respected as a leader in this community. Wherever I go, it looks seems like I have air cover. Like that everybody's been softened for me to come in, all because of Bishop's the respect he has as a leader in the community. We've been invited to help form educational policy in CSU on, on admissions requirements. Also to select the president at certain colleges and universities. We're working closely with Boise State on doing things for students here in the city and giving them opportunity to go for low cost, all because of Bishop. Everybody knows who he is. They come up to me and say, do you go to West Ed? We Say hi to Bishop for me. Well, praise God. So we can see that part of following sound doctrine is seeing the needs of our youth and even adults and thereby enriching their lives. Thank you very much. A few minutes ago, the choir said that the Lord was worthy then they went on to say, can't nobody worship God for me. So just for a second, can I just see some worship? Can, can God hear worship coming out of our mouths? Nobody can worship God for me. Nobody can worship him for you. You got to worship God for yourself. Hallelujah. God is worthy to be praised. He's so worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Usually people would say stand up and take a stretch break, but we just stood up and took a praise break. Is that all right? So real quick, Father, we pray your blessing on this time. We pray your wisdom over my tongue and over my mouth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen. We've heard 2 Timothy chapter 1 and 13 a few times, but I'll read it one more time. It says, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. You may take your seats. Both books of Timothy show a relationship between a spiritual son and a spiritual father. And at the particular time of these writings, we see Paul telling Timothy to hold fast the form of sound words. 
or in more modern terms, hang on to sound teaching or doctrine at a time when people were falling victim to false doctrines, Paul said, hang on to what lines up with scripture. Today, many churches are filled with people that they sit in services to feel good, but these people don't adhere to scripture or the spiritual leadership that was put in place by God himself. The Bible describes a spiritual leader as one who possesses the spiritual gift of leadership, the ability to lead others as a direct result of the gifting received from and performed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything is always easier when you have a good spiritual father or good spiritual leader. I'm sure Timothy felt that way and God knows that I feel that way because I have one of the greatest spiritual fathers that exist in the person of Bishop Charles Edward Blake, great spiritual mother in the person of Lady May Blake. So the teacher is telling the student to hang on to sound words because the day will come when the student will become the teacher and if sound doctrine is to continue, the student must hang on to the sound words which he heard from those worthy spiritual leaders before him. If I had only one prayer to pray today, it would be that more spiritual children would truly take heed to spiritual leaders. If you take a good look at the U.S. prison system, you'll see that the prison population right now is 2.3 million people in 1,719 state prisons, 109 federal prisons, 1,772 juvenile correctional facilities, and a few other local jails. If more people had spiritual leaders that they would let speak into the, their life, I guarantee you those numbers would be different. But however, we with our limited knowledge can get saved one day and try to become a teacher and a pastor and a, and a teacher the next day. It seems like the more whacked out a doctrine is, the more people go running into it. And the truth is that it's so many people today running away from God because they love themselves too much. Paul believed that sound teaching had a form. And he wanted Timothy to stay with, stay with the form of sound teaching because when, once you get away from sound teaching, you become a victim. You, you just become wide open for whatever trick Satan wants to play on you. Don't get away from sound doctrine. There's so many people running away from sound doctrine. People are loving and believing whatever doctrine lines up 
with their way of thinking, and they will dare any woman or man of God to try and correct them. People grab onto any frame of thought, any new thing that comes along, anything that justifies complacency and sin in their life. But Paul told Timothy to hold fast to the words that he got from him. Someone may ask, why did Timothy need to hold to Paul's words? What made Paul's words so important? Well, Paul said at 1 Timothy 3, remain in Ephesus that they teach no other doctrine nor give heed to fables that cause disputes but only give heed to what edifies God which is in faith. In other words, when people come up to you with some doctrine that does not edify God or lift up Jesus, don't give them the time of day. There is only one way to God, and all other ways lead to death. Everybody has a doctrine, but sound doctrine can only come from God by way of his word, and God's word is the source of sound doctrine, and it measures all other doctrines as false because there is only one way to the Father in heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in essence, Paul was telling Timothy to hang on to Jesus because just like today, there are so many doctrines that try to diminish Jesus, but Paul said some have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things that they affirm. All through the Bible we are told beware of false prophets and false doctrines. So well, like any good spiritual father would do, Paul was encouraging Timothy to stay the course. Don't be tossed to and fro by everything that sounds good. And I'll tell you today, don't let your ears be tickled by whatever sounds good or whatever fits your description of what doctrine is because won't none of that get you to heaven. The only thing that's going to get you to heaven is Jesus Christ. Jesus. Jesus. We heard Sister Kim say earlier, in other words, that we don't just hear sound doctrine. We don't just learn sound doctrine, but we do sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is something that you do. The text spoke of a form of sound words, and a form is something that you can see. You should be able to recognize that a person holds to a form of sound teaching. It should be obvious. Later in Timothy, Paul said, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me. And then Paul said, oh, what persecutions I endured. But he said, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. So many of us pray for deliverance. We ask 
for deliverance. We cry out for it, but it never comes because we ask God for the deliverance when his word says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. No other teaching can equip you for every good work. No other doctrine can free you from sin. No other doctrine comes free by grace. No other doctrine gives power over Satan's tricks, plots, and plans. No other doctrine can save your soul but that of Jesus Christ crucified, risen from the dead, stepping out of the grave with all power in his hand. Jesus is the way and all other roads lead straight to hell. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus is our salvation. And don't ever let anybody tell you any different. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. I don't care what anybody tells you. I don't care if they invite you to a church without a pastor. We all know that a church is the body of Christ, and a church without a pastor is no different than a headless horseman. So if you ain't looking to God, if God is not in your view, you might as well hang it up and quit on everything because Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father in heaven. And if we don't hang on to sound doctrine, we're going to lose our minds. We're going to run straight into hell. We can... Jesus, 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 Jesus. There are some doctrines that you can hang on to right inside the church and go straight to hell because your eyes are not forever on the Lord. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're going to go through this life. You might struggle. You might hit some hard times. But God is going to be standing there saying, because you kept your eyes on Jesus, because you follow the form of sound teaching, enter into the joy of the Lord, enter into the joy of the Lord. If you hang on to sound teaching, if you hang on to sound teaching, the Bible says that you will be equipped for every good work. Some of us are walking around trapped in situations and we don't know what to do. We're praying to God, we're asking God, God help us out of this and God is standing there saying all you got to do is read my word and connect 
to some sound teaching. My word will instruct you. My spirit will instruct you. So whenever we hit struggles, sound teaching tells us to lift our hands up high to God and say hallelujah in spite of the situations, hallelujah in spite of my pains, hallelujah in spite of my sicknesses, hallelujah anyhow. Jesus, Jesus, God is our salvation and salvation does not come any other way except through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Is anybody thankful for the blood? Jesus. 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 He didn't have to die. He didn't have to come to earth. But he did because he loved us. And because he loved us, because he loves us, I'm going to hang on to his words. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me, but you ain't going to come to my house and pick me up in a car and drive me to heaven. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. So my prayer today is that we hang on to sound, sound doctrine. And sound doctrine can only come from God. A lot of us need things from God and we're looking to God. Our flesh can devise all kinds of plans to try to work out things to get what only God can give. But only what you do for Christ will last. There may be someone that's been tired of trying to work out things themselves. I'm tired of doing all of these calculations only to end up back in negativity. I'm tired of doing things my way. I'm tired of living for myself. I want to do things God's way. And I want to live for him. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you're in the audience and you've been struggling doing things your way and you have made the decision to do things God's way, lift your hand let me see you. I want you to come down. I want you to shake my hand. Our altar workers want to spend a moment with you and get some information from you. But sound doctrine is something that the world does not have enough of. People wouldn't be shooting up schools if they had sound doctrine or good spiritual leaders. People wouldn't be doing a lot of the things that they do if they could line up with spiritual doctrine, sound doctrine. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer. Oh, they're making a wonderful decision.
Are there others coming? Jesus is way. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, 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 Jesus. You all are making the greatest decision of your life. The greatest decision of your life is far more important than the choice of your occupation. Our occupation can pay you some money, but giving your life to Christ will give you everlasting life. So everyone, please pray this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, we believe Jesus is your son. We believe he died a horrible death and rose on the third day with all power in his hand. And by this act, salvation is available to me if I should receive it. So, Father, I receive your salvation. Come into my heart, change my life, and help me to walk in the newness of life. Thank you for the change, and thank you for your salvation. Put your hands together for God and his word and these souls. Are all the workers are going to spend a moment with you all. Jesus is the Hallelujah. 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 Have you enjoyed this day? A lot of people worked extremely hard on this day, and we want to stay within time schedule, so I'm going to forego whatever else I was going to say, and I am going to bring the greatest spiritual leader in existence to the microphone. Please put your hands together for our pastor, our spiritual leader, Bishop Charles Edward Blake.